so it's not a vegetable. But it's close. Welcome to another episode of Lombardi Time Brews. I am your host, John Del Rey. Today, we are dishing out some grades. I'm looking at the rushing offense, the passing offense, the rushing defense, the passing defense, and giving them those good old-timey school grades, A, B, C, D, or F, to each one of the facets on the field. Just a few quick notes before we dive in today. First, hit like, share, subscribe on this video so we can keep on spreading Lombardi Time brews and building a bigger and bigger community of Packer fans. Uh, second, purely logistical note for you, there will not be a video tomorrow. That's right, no Lombardi Time brews on Wednesday of this week. Uh, I have a number of projects that I'm working on as well as a couple personal appointments, so uh, no video going to be coming out tomorrow, but you can look for some further developments coming up in the future. So just one transaction note for you. Uh, this one happening quickly. The Packers signed a new member to their practice squad, linebacker DQ Thomas. An undrafted free agent of this year initially signed with the Jets. I'll get more into that in just a second. Um, but coming from Middle Tennessee State University, his stats look great. I mean, started 10 of 12 games for them as a senior. He finished with 89 tackles, 17 tackles for loss, 5 sacks, 2 picks, 7 hurries, fumble recovery, and a forced fumble. Those are no joke. I guess the, I guess I have two questions off the top of my head. You know, one, his size is a bit concerning for a linebacker. He's six foot two, 216 pounds, according to Middle Tennessee State University's website. That certainly doesn't have the size conducive to playing on the edge, where some of his stats dictate he really should go. So is he more of an inside linebacker? To be paired with Wilborn on the practice squad, maybe a potential call-up? while Chris Barnes is nursing his injury, but even that's a touch small for there. So then are they really looking at him as a safety? I mean, potentially, but they've already got so many safeties between Ford and Levitt on the main roster, along with Carpenter, who hasn't even suited up yet. They still have Abernathy on the practice squad. So just some real questions about where this fits, but that's not necessarily at all a bad thing. He could just be a developmental prospect that they're wanting to develop. So we'll see where exactly he goes. We'll also see what the corresponding move is, because adding him necessitates releasing someone off of their practice squad. Question number two that I have about this move involves the New York Jets. Immediately following the draft, the Jets signed DQ Thomas as a priority undrafted free agent, giving him a signing bonus of $130,000, which... That's no joke of a signing bonus. Um, they obviously made it a priority to bring in DQ Thomas. But they released him not too long ago. So I guess the question is, if you're going to make someone that much of a priority, why let them go before even in week three of their first season? 
So some questions, but ultimately bottom of the practice squad player, DQ Thomas has some exciting stats, has an exciting athletic profile. We will see where this goes. All right, the topic of the day. Handing out some grades. That's right. I wanted to give traditional letter grades. Now, I know yesterday we talked about these topics a bit, but today I've got some different stats I wanted to talk about. Wanted to give an overall assessment of that area of the field before, again, reminder, no Lombardi time for tomorrow. When I return on Thursday, we're going to be looking ahead to the Buccaneers. Going to be taking some listener questions on Thursday. And, of course, Friday is our full-on preview show where I recap the Buccaneers offseason and take a look at how these two teams match up directly. So, looking again at the Bears game, the passing attack for Aaron Rodgers. You know what? I, I, in my former teacher astuteness, you know, looked all through this, said, what does Aaron Rodgers and the rest of the passing game deserve? And the simple truth, a B. Yeah, that's right. I don't think it was as bad as I've seen some of the, yeah, some of the talk online. Some of the, especially from the national pundits who continue to say that Rodgers doesn't have enough weaponry around him to get it done. But I'm going to throw out some stats at you. And Rodgers was 19 of 25. That's great. 234 yards. Okay. Two touchdowns. Okay. No picks. Yep, that's normal. He had an ESPN quarterback rating of 60.8. Remember, ESPN quarterback ratings are only 0 through 100, not the traditional NFL metric that goes all the way up to 158.3. So 60.8, yeah, it's an above average game. And I think that's exactly where they were, which is why I give it a B. You know, there were some really good things. The mosaic offense, I talked about it a little bit yesterday. No single player had more than three catches. And yet eight players logged a reception. No player had more than four targets, Sammy Watkins being the recipient of those four targets. Truly using all of their pieces, all of it, to come together and form some kind of passing attack. But there was some bad. There were. Three sacks allowed by the offensive line. Now, we know per the PFF grades that there were some very successful instances of pass blocking. John Runyon Jr., especially standing out, per PFF's metric, he had an 86, which is ridiculously good. Through two weeks, Yash Nyman is one of the best pass blocking tackles in the NFL, according to PFF again. So there's some really good pass blocking things going on. And only allowing six pressures is wonderful. However, three of those six were turned into sacks. And that's too many, especially when you got a 38-year-old quarterback. The amount of hits that they've given up to Aaron Rodgers or allowed him to absorb within the last two weeks, partly through his own doing. Let's not, let's not forget that. But it's troubling. Eventually, these pressures just have to be pressures and can't end in sacks at a 50% rate. So certainly something to consider. And then point two as to why this wasn't as good of a performance as it could have been, the missed chances. Going back and watching the game again, you just see that Rodgers did not see the field incredibly well. He said it himself after the game at his press conference that he didn't play great. Yeah, and he played fine. 
but there certainly were missed opportunities that Rodgers could have directed the ball towards, especially to the young ones. So, ultimately, uh, B. The rushing attack. Dylan and Jones, whoo, they get an A-. minus. That's right, not quite perfect, and I'll get into why. Not quite excellent, but an A- minus for Jones and Dylan. The goods? Oh, the overall creativity. I mean, the play-calling scheme was tremendous. Putting Dylan and Jones on the field together in the pony package, which tons of people have been clamoring for since Dylan has ascended to be as good as he is. Or how about the use of jet motion with the run? Last year, we saw jet motion just kind of deteriorate away from this offense, but so far this year, it's back. And they're utilizing Watson to do it. They're utilizing players that weren't necessarily expected to do it, and it's working. One run in particular comes to mind where someone was jet motioning across the opposite direction as Jones took the ball. This was poetry in motion for the Green Bay running game. Okay, so then what's the negative? A.J. Dillon running to the right side of the line and finding nowhere to go several times. Aaron Jones had 15 carries for 132 yards and a touchdown. A.J. Dillon on the flip actually had three more carries. It didn't feel like it because they didn't go anywhere. But 18 carries for 61 yards total for A.J. Dillon. Now, this is not entirely to fault Dillon. It just means that a lot of the times when he had the ball, there was no lane for him to go through. His longest carry on the day was 11 yards. Take that one away and suddenly you've got a 17-carry, 50-yard day. Yeesh. And it's because there just was nowhere to go constantly running behind Royce Newman or the returning Elton Jenkins, who obviously still had some rust, and just finding nowhere to go. But hey, hey, on a bright side again, let's talk about Aaron Rodgers running a read option at age 38. Mm-hmm. Take a look. Okay, so let's talk passing defense. Now, I've seen a lot of talk about how the passing defense has figured it out. It has arrived, and I'm not entirely sure that that's the case. They did a great job getting after fields, no doubt about it. Their coverage was much better, yes, but they also weren't facing Justin Jefferson. They did shut down Chicago's number one, Darnell Mooney, for only one catch for negative four yards, and that's remarkable. But there still were problems in this passing defense for the Green Bay Packers. Justin Fields, the quarterback of the Chicago Bears, went 7 of 11 for 70 yards. An abysmal ESPN quarterback rating of 6.7. But, still, 7 for 11 for 70 yards. Had they thrown a ball a bunch more, obviously it's going to be worse. But 7 for 11 for 70 yards. There's still some concerns with the safeties. Darnell Savage, Adrian Amos, there were still times where they were caught in the wrong spot in this game. Savage especially. Savage has all the physical traits in the world and just isn't seeming to be able to put it together for Joe Barry like he did in Mike Pettin's final year in 2020. So what's going on with Savage? Why is it that he doesn't seem to be in the right spot? Now, 
if you look at his target numbers, he's only been targeted three times and given up three catches. Adrian Amos has turned in two below average games for what we expect his career to be. This week was better than last, but still, it's not the standard that Adrian Amos has set for himself in Green Bay. So the passing defense does have some concerns yet. Jair with the interception was obviously a good. Razul Douglas has been locked down for two weeks. One of the highest rated PFF defenders in coverage in the NFL over the first two weeks of the season. But there's still some leaks here. So I'm going to give it overall a B-. Keep in mind for Justin Fields, he had 70 yards passing, 30 of which came to Equiminius St. Brown, former Green Bay Packer. In addition to that, he was sacked three times for a loss of 22 yards. Now the pass rush did its job, for sure. Clark, Gary, Preston Smith had a hell of a game. I've talked about that a few times now. But still, there's leaks. That's why I gotta go with a B minus. It can get better. It can get a lot better than what we saw. Last phase that I'm gonna look at for this video happens to be the rushing defense. Now, this area of the team is the one that's getting derided the most for, for really not playing well. And it's true, it didn't play great. But upon a rewatch, I do wanna point out just a couple things that maybe make it a little bit better than how it first appeared. So, they overall get a C plus. Why? Well, David Montgomery had 15 carries for 122 yards. His backup, Khalil Herbert, chipped in four carries for 38 yards. So you can't just say it was Montgomery having a great day. Herbert also found a ton of room to run. But why? Why did they find so much room so consistently? And upon a rewatch, a couple things became really clear, especially in the second half of the game. The Packers purposefully implemented a bend-but-don't-break defense. I mean, even pre-snap, you could see that there were lanes for Montgomery to walk right through. And so he did. And there were a couple times in the second half that they marched right on down the field, basically just using Montgomery. And I think the Packers took the approach of, we have a large enough lead, we want them to run the ball, take time. And that's fine. What we don't want to let them do is get into the end zone, which... Boy, did they come close on that Justin Fields sneak. Yeah. But still, nonetheless, they didn't give up the touchdown, and they made the Bears use a ton of time to do it. That's all a part of the plan, whether we like it or not. So that does have to be bore in mind. But I will say, you know, schematically, philosophically speaking, you're going to let them run on you. Okay, fine. Just don't allow a pass. Okay, fine. What you can control is tackling. This was one of the worst Packer tackling performances in the Joe Barry era for the Packers. Of that, there is no doubt. If you go look through PFF, some of the tackling grades are absolutely preposterous, including from some of the Packers' best players like Rashawn Gary. 
a number of Packers graded under 50 on their tackling metrics, which is awful. A number of Packers posted significantly higher missed tackle rates than they even did against Minnesota. This is something that Joe Barry has to get a handle on quickly. Because against Tampa, those missed tackles can come back to hurt you a lot more. Going against Leonard Fournette. Going against maybe Mike Evans. We'll see if he's there per the suspension. So we'll see. But this tackling needs to get fixed quickly. That's the thing for the rushing defense that's really concerning. Yeah, philosophically, it gave up a bunch of yards. All right, I get it. I at least see why. Tackling, you can fix that. You control that. And there's no reason that they need to be able to run on you so easily, even if you are giving them the lanes. So, tackling needs to be cleaned up, but I get why the lanes were there in the first place. Some of the pursuit angles of the players, especially to, not to rang on him again, but it's true, Darnell Savage, just appears to want nothing to do with the run game right now. Which again is perplexing, given the fact that he has been utilized as a box safety in the past. Something's going on there, and it's something that needs answering before we get too far into the season. Or else it's just going to keep on looking like this. That's it for another episode of Lombardi Time Brews. Thanks for checking out today's video where I doled out some grades. Now, don't forget, no video tomorrow as I'm taking the day to work on some other projects and take a few personal appointments. But check back later this week as we go through a mailbag as well as preview the matchup against the Buccaneers. Please get those questions in now for Thursday's video. You can DM me on Twitter. That's at John Delray, J-O-N-D-E-L-R-A-Y. You could even send us a message through our brand new Facebook page, which is going to start getting more and more content on it soon. Find that page, Lombardi Time Brews. Send a message to that page. Or just comment right down below when you also click the subscribe button. Hmm. So if you're watching this on YouTube, just comment down below. So any of those ways, give me a question and I will answer them on Thursday. I hope you have an absolutely wonderful day. Thanks for checking out Lombardi Time Brews. And as always, Go Pack Go.